Lex Auto Lease, driving intelligence. Hello, I'm Chris Chandler, Principal Consultant at Lex Auto Lease. In this first driving intelligence podcast, we'll be discussing the role of ultra low emission and electric vehicles within a modern business fleet and whether they're a practical alternative to traditionally fueled vans and cars. It's a topic that's currently front of mind across the motoring industry, both for businesses and consumers. In the past few months, government announced its strategy to reduce roadside emissions, primarily oxides of nitrogen, and confirmed its target to have only zero emission cars and vans on sale from 2040 onwards. Meanwhile, Volvo declared that all its vehicles will have some form of electric drivetrain past 2019. The details of the 2040 plan still need to be confirmed and government will need to work closely with vehicle manufacturers and the wider industry to ensure these targets can be met. And there are further requirements for local authorities to develop strategies to reduce roadside pollution from vehicles. This will include clean air zones which could charge high emitting vehicles to enter the zones or even prevent the highest emitting vehicles from entering. However, the two announcements have both amplified the use and practicality of ULEV and electric vehicles. And in this podcast, we'll be looking at the potential impact on the business community. Joining me is Clive Messenger of Mitsubishi. Hi Clive, can you give me an overview of the focus Mitsubishi put on ULEVs and electric vehicles? Thanks, Chris. We are the pioneers of electric vehicles in the UK with our iMeve that we introduced about 10 years ago. Uh, We also lead the way in plug-in hybrids with the Outlander PHEV. We do know and recognise that the future is electric, and whilst we can't give too much away just yet, we are planning to roll out electrified versions of most of our future vehicles and future model lineups as they come through in the coming years. But in the meantime, we will enhance and improve our outland the PHEV technology because despite the noise about pure electric vehicles at the moment the infrastructure isn't quite there yet so the concept that plug-in hybrids give customers that flexibility that they look for at the moment will give us a medium-term opportunity in the marketplace. To provoke our debate on this topic we looked at the role electric vehicles play within Glasgow-based drinks manufacturer Shivaz Brothers. David McCormack is their fleet advisor who shared with us a number of scenarios which show the opportunities and challenges within this sector. Chavis Bras is part of the Pernod Ricard group and we currently run 10 electric vans, 12 electric hybrid cars used as office pool cars and a further 30 electric hybrids as company cars. The reason we wanted to bring in a more electric fleet was because we wanted to support our own duty for the Environment Pledge. The vehicles provide a very definite proof of that. Bringing in the vehicles has also helped us reduce our fuel bills, while those staff with hybrid company cars have benefited from lower tax. Some interesting points raised there, Clive. Um, I think from our perspective, dealing directly with our customers, there are some obvious benefits, such as reduced benefit in kind tax um, for the company, reduced Class 1 NIC, for instance. When you're talking to customers and you're looking at your specific model technologies, what are the considerations that you find are foremost in people's minds? What we do with our customers and what we offer as as a service is, is helping them understand how this technology can best work for them, really. How the technology can sit in line with what they're trying to achieve. Most people or most organisations would like to be green, but 
they don't generally want to change too much of what they do or cost them money in doing so. So our job is to demonstrate how the product can sit within their day-to-day operation of their business. You have to remember that customers and, and businesses have a job to do. What we need to do is we need to help them with that seamless transition between where they are currently and where they want to get to, which is obviously a cleaner, greener vehicle fleet. And within our role, we, we do similar. And I think it's important that we put across the elements of the different technologies. And so it's the right vehicle for the right application. And I think customers just need a little bit more information to allow them to make the informed and correct decision. We find that once people have used this type of product and understood that the technology is quite normal really that then they can work with that much better moving forwards and feel much more comfortable and relaxed about the migration and are you finding that the end users views and opinions are changing the increased take up that we've seen certainly within the last 24 months of plug-in vehicles would suggest that the end user the driver not necessarily the fleet manager is warming more to this technology now alex autolease we're approaching 10,000 plug-in vehicles on our fleet, and the majority of that growth has happened in the last 24 to 28 months. We are already seeing a significant increase in the adoption of plug-in vehicles, but the government's target is over 20 years away, so there's no need to panic. There will be a significant transition period, however many fleet decision makers are quite rightly taking the opportunity to analyse and assess these vehicles now. What we do find within the fleet arena is that um, end users are usually more quick to adopt new technologies because they're looking at other benefits such as benefit and kind taxation which is an incentive to to help encourage those people into these types of product the key thing that we have to do is make sure that it works for the bigger picture in terms of it does work for the end user it does work for the business as well so we spend a lot of time reviewing that with them switching to electric and ulev vehicles has reduced our reliance on diesel so we are seeing cost savings. We've reduced our fuel bills by about 5 to 10%, for example. Though this can fluctuate depending upon your drivers remembering to charge their hybrids. We expect to make further savings as vehicle technology changes, with charging times reduced but distance on a charge increasing. Important feedback that we get from our customers, Clive, is the fact that cost is a key issue when you're a fleet operator, whether you're using traditionally fueled vehicles, new technologies. There's always a budgetary requirement on transport. So from a whole life cost perspective, we're very aware that these new plug-in vehicle technologies may have a price premium at procurement time, but over the life of the vehicle. When we launched the Outlander PHEV, uh, we took a conscious decision to make it the same price as the comparable diesel version, which helped people's decision-making much much easier because they had to choose purely between what was the right type of car for them rather than whether one cost them more or cost them less with any new technology there's additional costs and that's what the industry is experiencing at the moment but we are seeing that those costs are coming down quite quickly for the ultra low emission type vehicles and that technology so as that comes down the gap gets closer therefore the customer choice is not so much about the cost difference between the two but whether it's the right vehicle for them or not and obviously once you've got past the actual list price element 
of the proposition, correct me if I'm wrong, but when a vehicle is running in pure electric mode, be it a pure electric vehicle or a plug-in hybrid that is driving in electric mode with the internal combustion switch off, you're looking at two to four P a mile, which is a big saving over traditionally fueled vehicles. Yeah, it can be. One of the things that we always try and point out to customers is that you need to look at a wider sample of um, vehicle journeys to try and get a proper comparison over this. Comparing just simple motorway driving versus motorway driving in an alternative fuel vehicle, yes, it might not look as attractive, but overall, when you consider most of the other journeys that would be done by an end user would be shorter journeys, lower speeds, etc., which in an ultra low emission vehicle would be done pretty much on pure electric. Therefore, not only saving the money in terms of fuel costs, but also going back to one of the key objectives of this, actually producing cleaner air. The real takeaway from that is if you're using the right vehicle in the right application, maximise how much you plug it in, maximise your zero emission driving. And that's really where these vehicles come into their own. You have the opportunity as the driver to ensure that you can actually get the best environmental and cost profile out of these vehicles. There were a number of small challenges about bringing electric vehicles and ULEVs into our fleet. There was a bit of nervousness from some drivers about the move to greener vehicles. They totally supported what we were trying to do and wanted to support a more environmentally friendly fleet. But I think there are quite a few misconceptions about the vehicles. Things like how they perform in different conditions, as well as the ability to charge them and how far they could go on an electric charge. There's much better understanding now though. I also think colleagues were slightly put off by the lack of different models available at the time. You're listening to the Lex Auto Lease Driving Intelligence podcast with me, Chris Chandler. At Lex, we believe the industry is really responding to the challenge of moving to greener vehicles and the nervousness from drivers about what technologies and what models are out there. In the last few years, we've gone from literally three or four plug-in vehicles to over 60 now. The government's 2040 announcement is similar to the plans of the French government who are to ban petrol and diesel vehicles by the same year, while Germany has more ambitious plans to bring the ban in by 2030. This should make manufacturers even more focused on developing a much wider range of electric models over the coming years. We believe that will really start making a difference. How does that feed in, Clive, to your view of where the market's going? I think that customer demand is one of the things that drives most businesses and most organisations. And in the early days of trying to put more ultra-low emission vehicles and the technology out into the marketplace, possibly the industry got it wrong for the right reasons in terms of most of the vehicles that were pure electric were compromised in some way. They were either quite small vehicles or they had limited seat space or they had compromised boot space. We provided an SUV-sized vehicle with five large seats, a full boot space. The car was designed from the ground up to accommodate plug-in hybrid technology. And other manufacturers are doing that more and more so now. When we have um, a customer where they're really looking to promote plug-in vehicles to their drivers, we hold open days at their premises where we get a range of pure electric plug-in hybrid vehicles. And we actually allow the staff to get in the vehicles, get behind the wheels, take them out on test drives. And we've found that the more people are exposed to them and they actually have a go themselves rather than just reading in the press or hearing secondhand, really just 
start changing their minds and getting rid of some of the misconceptions? I think that normalisation of the technology is, is one of the key things and I think that we're moving quite quickly towards that. There seems to be a much greater acceptance and understanding that this technology is kind of the future. Another challenge was the mileage restrictions of the vehicles. Indeed, we could use a lot more fully electric vehicles if the mileage was better and I think some of our company car drivers were initially put off by a perceived limited range. Our fully electric vans are used on single sites by our engineers wanting to get between the different parts of our factories and premises. For longer journeys, they still rely on traditionally fueled vehicles. There are also limits to how we use electric and ULEV vehicles. For example, we couldn't use them for heavy deliveries or carrying much weight such as stock or replacement parts around our factories or on the road. With more models coming to market, we're also seeing an increase in technology and with that range. Range anxiety is always highlighted as an issue. We found that the early vehicles such as the IMEF, it's fair to say that was a city car with a limited range for urban driving. We're now seeing vehicles that can do 300 miles plus on a single charge. So going forwards, can we expect to see these sorts of benefits and can we expect to see plug-in vehicles really taking the lead and being able to fulfil not just an element or a majority, but everybody's driving requirements? You'll find that pretty much all manufacturers around the world are focusing heavily on this. And generally what happens is that that technology will advance and progress quite quickly. The key thing around range anxiety is people's concerns that this technology doesn't do what the previous technology did. And therefore, the important thing for us is trying to encourage them that actually it's okay. There's nothing to be concerned about. Electric vehicles with a significant range that is acceptable to the majority, you would expect that they'll need to do 200 miles plus on a single charge, as you mentioned. There's not really that much in the marketplace available for customers, which is why hybrid technology is kind of the medium term solution here, because it does give you that ability for lower emission, better fuel consumption in urban areas. But it does give you that flexibility that if you had to drive 200 miles, that you can do that without the concern that you need to find somewhere to charge the vehicle. It is a bit of a, a stepping stone to that full electric when we can get, you know, circa 250 range. I think one of the interesting things is also commercial vehicles, because I think there's been a lot of development on cars, but commercial vehicles seem to be a little bit behind the curve with regards to electrification. Yeah, um, it's interesting that commercial vehicles are kind of taking a bit of a back seat because these would be probably considered the highest contributors to pollution and air quality. Interestingly, we actually produced a commercial version of the Outlander PHEV. The take-up of that hasn't been quite as great as the passenger car version, possibly because there are less taxation benefits with a commercial vehicle. When manufacturers were first bringing uh, electric vehicles and ultra-low emission vehicles to the marketplace, the thought was that that had to be done in small vehicles. If you look at things now, it's very much the opposite way around. We're actually seeing that you can integrate it much better with larger vehicles, such as SUV-sized vehicles. So I think that now that seems to be a bit of a change of mindset and approach, 
I think you'll see that start to develop as we're already seeing with larger vehicles, HGVs, etc., turning into more low emission vehicles, particularly with some sort of electric range. One of the issues that we have is the fact that there's actually very little product available in the marketplace. Part of that is because the larger the vehicle, the larger the payload, therefore you need more power, so you need more batteries, and that takes away from the payload. And th this, this is an issue that we come across quite a lot, but I think at the moment the market is naturally going to be slower to develop new products here. And so our view at Lex Auto Leases, let's push forward with the vehicles that are available in the market and keep the momentum going and hope that manufacturers are going to be coming to market with this type of products. And in fact, we know that Tesla are looking at an HGV electric vehicle. The government's target to have all new vans using zero emission technology by 2040 will also increase the need for electric vehicles with heavier payloads. So we should expect manufacturers to be even more focused on that sector. Battery recharging was also a challenge. We had to really think about the practical considerations of where to install electric charging points around our premises before we could consider electric vehicles and new levs within the fleet. For our company car drivers, there was an interesting irony. We had to do a lot to persuade them of the benefits of electric and new lev vehicles, and that was really successful. Unfortunately, we had to turn some of them down because they lived in flats or had on-road parking that made electric charging impractical. A key point to adoption of plug-in vehicles, especially pure electrics, is obviously range anxiety. But the recent announcement in the Queen's speech with regards to increasing infrastructure, but more importantly, rapid charging points and pathway charging, should be a real benefit to companies such as David's with regards to ensuring electric vehicles fit their drive cycle scenarios. Yeah, what we really are looking at here is the ability to charge a vehicle determines the effectiveness for a vehicle fleet or an individual end user. But one of the challenges that we have is that not everybody has the facility of off-street parking. Therefore, things like people who live in terraced houses or in apartment blocks, etc., they struggle with having charge facilities. So the acceleration of the government's plans to improve the public charging infrastructure is, is actually quite key to broadening out this opportunity to the wider audience. At Lex Auto Lease, we always advise to have a home charger installed if you have an electric or plug-in vehicle. It's also a benefit if you have workplace charging as well. So this can maximise electric use and minimise range anxiety. The public network should really only be relied on for top-up charging and not your day-to-day -day use. For some employees, it might not be possible to have a home charger installed and so this technology might not be appropriate for those people at this time. The UK is looking to be a global leader in plug-in vehicle adoption and the recent Queen's speech identified the fact that the government is going to be rolling out more rapid chargers on a pathway basis which should really assist fleet operators such as David Shivaz Brothers to utilise more electric vehicle technology going forwards. When we brought in electric and new live vehicles we had to amend our driver policy to restrict certain members of staff from using the vehicles. At the moment, 
We've not had to change much else in our driver policies, though I can imagine this changing as the use of electric and ULEVs continues. Currently, the uptake of electric and plug-in vehicles is obviously in its infancy. So these vehicles can be introduced and are often coming in in small numbers. So I think in these early stages where we've seen a gradual take-up of electric and plug-in vehicles, policies just need a basic review. But going forwards, as the numbers increase, fleet operators will have to have a look at their policies and their fuel policies and ensure that these align to the new technologies that are coming on the market. Totally agree. A number of companies are already reviewing their policies and I'm sure that a number of other companies are already starting to consider this with a view of taking on ultra-low emission vehicles in the future. You're listening to the Lex Auto Lease Driving Intelligence podcast with me, Chris Chandler. We replace our vans in a four-year cycle. It wasn't a major concern at the time, just a slight weariness. But there was discussions about whether the vans would become outdated quickly. Any technology that is relatively new develops very quickly at the beginning. Just look at how quickly mobile phone technology changed at the turn of the millennium. What was state-of-the-art one year seemed less impressive just 12 months later. I think any businesses buying or leasing vehicles under contract don't want to find that improvements in two or three years' time have made their single charge distance or recharging time seem almost archaic. At Lex Auto Lease, we're certainly seeing that the electric vehicle technology is moving on at a pace and we expect to see some real developments over the next five years even. Clive, what's Mitsubishi's view with regards to the technologies and where they're going? It's really quite difficult to predict how the next five years are going to look because there is such a race to the forefront now taking place. There could be a battery revolution announced just tomorrow, okay, which would just turn it all up on its head. So it's really going to be interesting to see where the market and the industry goes with this. It's safe to assume that the key things are the size and the cost of batteries. All of those things will continue to improve and reduce over the coming years and therefore bringing down the charging times and the costs, which are the two main objections towards electric vehicles that we're currently faced with. So it's going to happen quite quickly. The key thing from from our side is making sure that there continues to be support and incentive from the government. So... Effectively, we've still got a lot of improvements within the technology and we can really see this as something that's not a flash in the pan and has a long-term future. I think that there's one thing that is very sure here is that this is the future. This is certainly isn't something that is going to disappear off into the wilderness. As a business, Chevis Brothers have a focus on matching and beating UK and European targets to lower CO2 emissions and doing all we can to be better for the environment. However... We've not really got close to bringing full electric cars into the fleet just yet. This is because of practical considerations such as mileage from a charge at the time it takes to recharge. Electric hybrids have helped us with our green footprint, but it will be interesting to know what the life cycle of these vehicles is. Technological developments will improve battery charge times and the distance covered by a single charge but it will be some time before fully electric vans and cars match or supersede today's ULEV vehicles. Within the UK, CO2 emissions have been a key measure, especially within the fleet market. But looking at wider CO2 emission legislation, there is an absolute need for 
electrification of cars and vans within the UK market. An example of this is the fact that EU legislation means that mainstream manufacturers selling vehicles into the European market by 2020-2021 must have a sales weighted average of 95 gram per kilometre or below. We've also seen the rise of clean air zones and London's T-charge zone and this is all pointing to zero emission, low CO2 transport. The government's 2040 plan augments that focus on low CO2 and NOx emitting vehicles. So there should be a major emphasis on these vehicles within the UK business community going forwards. It's fairly clear that electric vehicles or electrification of vehicles into the future is a bit of a must. With this move in technology, will the older technology become completely defunct? I think there's always a place for it in the second-hand market. But Clive, what's Mitsubishi's take on current technology versus future? Bearing in mind that Mitsubishi were the key driver in accelerating take-up of ultra-low emission vehicles in the UK three years ago with the Outlander PHEV, we've worked really hard to look at how that technology can be attractive to more users and operators. Most people felt that it was only interesting to company car drivers because of taxation benefits, but actually this technology makes a fantastic used vehicle. It has all the benefits of cleaner air, but it also has no road fund license to pay. Um, you have the ability to charge and drive most of your journeys on pure electric. So actually, this technology will find its way through the markets as we move forward. So as new technologies come out on the front end, the technology that is already established in there will find its way through the rest of the market throughout the used car market. And of course, I suppose we mustn't forget that it's great that the new technology is coming to market. But the second-hand market resides because not everybody can afford a brand new vehicle. One of the things that is really important to just remember in all of this is that with our determination across the country to improve the air quality and look for cleaner air zones, it's not just new vehicles who drive into these areas. You know, there are lots and lots of used vehicles that drive into these areas. So what we're doing here is we're feeding that older market with much better, greener vehicles to be used rather than possibly the vehicles that they're currently using. So effectively, the fleet market can actually be cleaning up the UK's overall vehicle park at the same time. I absolutely convinced that that's the case. You know, the fleet market probably generates half of the volume that goes into the used car market and on a much more regular cycle. So it absolutely will be contributing to expediating that cleaner, greener environment in the older vehicles that are out on the roads. Because electric vehicles are fairly new, it will be interesting to see what their maintenance needs and costs are. For example, how often can batteries keep on being recharged before needing to be replaced within a vehicle, and the costs associated with that? I'm sure most businesses also want to know about an electric vehicle's life cycle. For example, is wear and tear reduced? If so, the business benefits would be great, with less time off the road, reduced maintenance costs, and extended replacement cycles. That was very interesting, David's comments with regards to batteries and will they need replacing. At Lex Auto Lease, we've been running electric vehicles since early 2011. We have nearly 10,000 plug-in vehicles on our fleet. And at the moment, today, we haven't had any failures of the batteries or the drivetrains on electric vehicles. Clive, what's 
Mitsubishi's experience of the battery life itself, engine wear and tear, etc.? I think it's very obvious from all of the research that is out there that electric vehicles actually require less maintenance than an internal combustion engine because there's, there's physically less moving parts. One of the biggest concerns that, that we seem to get from potential owners of this sort of technology is around the battery and the perceived expensive cost of replacement for the battery. And actually, it's unfounded. The reality is that battery failure is minimal. Whilst you have 10,000 on your fleet, we have over 45,000 that we've supplied in the UK so far. Um, and we have had less than 10 occurrences of battery failure in that time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a battery electric vehicle has far fewer moving parts and you don't have spark plugs, oil changes, oil filters and all that. So I mean, in our experience, we found maintenance costs lower. Well, in reality, it is correct. As we've mentioned, the number of moving parts is less. But one of the other things to consider is that the serviceable items on the vehicle tend to last a lot longer. So, for example, most electric vehicles have got regenerative braking on them, which means that you use your braking effort to recharge the battery more so than what you do applying your foot on a brake pedal. So not only are you benefiting yourself by putting more energy back into the battery, but you're actually not wearing down those service items. So therefore, we're seeing that replacement times are extending for those sort of things on electric vehicles and ultra-low emission vehicles. Bringing in electric and hybrid vehicles feel like a big innovation. But over the coming decade, we'll need to start considering the implications of an even bigger step. Fully autonomous vehicles. It doesn't affect our thinking now, but from both a personal and a business point of view, it will be interesting to see how self-driving vehicles will change our working models and business practices over the coming decades. At Lex Auto Lease, we've been looking at the journey to driverless vehicles, so fully autonomous vehicles, and where this could potentially provide advantages for fleet managers. At the moment, many vehicles have a lot of the elements of an autonomous vehicle, such as adaptive cruise control, lane keep assist, and emergency collision avoidance. But the key thing is where you go into full autonomy is when the driver is no longer responsible for physically driving the vehicle. We think there's an element of legislative changes that have got to be completed before we can make that transition. So at Lex Auto Lease, we're providing a watching brief and keeping on top of all the technology changes so that we can advise when and if the legislation allows these vehicles to come onto the public highways. So that's looking forward to the future, but the issues at the moment are focused around range anxiety and the availability of charging infrastructure. At Chavez Brothers, we have a number of people who are out on the road quite a lot and it's just not practical to have them in fully electric vehicles yet. Access to recharging points makes us nervous as a business. It's okay for people travelling to work each day, they have charge points at home and across their sites, but when colleagues go on longer journeys with overnight stays, it's often difficult, almost impossible, to recharge effectively. At Lex Auto Lease, our advice with regards to charging is to do the majority where possible at home, but obviously it's key that we have an adequate recharging infrastructure throughout the UK. 
the Queen's speech actually mentioned about having rapid charging, pathway charging, to increase people's overall range ability in electric vehicles. Clive, what's your view from Mitsubishi with regards to how the infrastructure network is building? The need for a clear strategy in terms of where the charge network's going is required. But the key thing for all of us is more access to charging more regularly, making it more normalised within people's day-to-day lives, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's parking on the street. This is the future. It's something that we have to normalise as quickly as possible. And I imagine it's not just the number of charge points, but it's easy access to them as an individual So you don't have different networks in different parts of the country? Yeah, having a consistency and a simplicity to it is really quite important, I think, for drivers and end users. You need to know that wherever you need to travel and whenever you need to travel, you're not going to run out of electricity for your car, which is why we feel that hybrids are the medium term, but longer term, there has to be much more open access to charge facilities for end users in the UK. And now mentioning the unmentionable, What if the vehicle did actually break down or run out of electricity? Are the roadside recovery organisations able to deal with these issues now? We certainly work with our breakdown assistance company to make sure that all of their uh, roadside operators are fully trained on this type of technology. There are some things that are different, obviously, because you've got different components on the vehicle and there is an element of training required. But actually, it's not overly complicated. A lot of it is common sense, but there are some health and safety aspects that technicians and stuff need to use. So, yeah, that's a growing thing. Most of the breakdown recovery organisations are fully up to speed with what they're doing in terms of breakdown assistance. And I know that some of them actually now have these mobile battery charging packs, don't they, where they can come to you at the roadside and within a matter of 15 minutes they can give you some electric charge to get you to the nearest charge point. Yeah, absolutely. And these are all good for those eventualities that happen. But bringing it back to the key subject here, which is if we've got sufficient charging infrastructure, then you should find that far less people will run out of electricity. Realistically, how many people that are on the UK roads actually run out of petrol or diesel now? Very, very few. So it should be the same with electric. So thank you, Clive Messenger from Mitsubishi and David McCormack from Shiva's Brothers for what I found to be a very interesting debate with plenty of insight. If the topics we've covered inspire any questions and you wish to find out more about electric and ULEV vehicles, and how to incorporate them into your fleet, then please do get in contact with us via our website, lexautolease.co.uk, or speak to your Lexautolease account manager. In the meantime, I hope this podcast gives you a better idea about the role of low and zero emission vehicles in your business fleet, both for today and tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Lexautolease, driving intelligence.